Well, good morning again. I'm Camper Monday, associate pastor here. Uh, it's good to have you with us this morning. And, you know, at the beginning of a new year, most folks are expectant. Uh, it's a fresh start. But another thing that uh, people often do is they reflect on the year that has just passed. And this morning, uh, I, I began reflecting a little bit on the past year. And actually, I, I skipped back several years uh, to a significant moment in the life of this church. And it was October 21st, 2007. Uh, the Lord was growing uh, Grace Covenant, uh, so much so that for the first time, our church would have two services. And I remember preparing that week and uh, being excited as I, I got up that morning to, uh, to have the privilege of preaching uh, both of those services that morning. But it also ended up being a day that was significant in the life of my family. Because I remember as I woke up, I looked at my wife Heather and she said, it's time to go to the hospital. <laughs> yes, that was the day that our daughter Hope was born. And so I picked up the phone and said, Brandon, we're on our way to the hospital. You're on. <laughs> well, there's this not so often spoken of biblical value called payback. And so this morning, I got a phone call. Camp, our family is sick. You're on. Uh, the Barretts uh, are, are wrestling with a, a flu, a stomach virus that uh, really has gone through most of their family throughout the night. So please do uh, keep them in prayer. Also, I appreciate your prayer, Alan, uh, as short notice means short preparation, which probably, though I don't guarantee, uh, could mean a shorter sermon. Um, <laughs> But as always, we come to God's word expectantly. Because as we began our service, to whom shall we go? You, O Lord, have the words of eternal life. And these are the words that we need to hear. And so this morning, we're going to be turning to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're beginning a new sermon series, or in a lot of ways, we are picking up where we left off last spring, because this morning... We begin a sermon series in Mark chapter 9 that will take us through the end of Mark, Mark 16. You might wonder why are we beginning in chapter 9. Well, that's because we covered the first eight chapters uh, last winter and spring, uh, beginning uh, just about a year ago uh, in Mark chapter 1. So you'll find where we are this morning if you're using the Pew Bible on page 844. Uh, it'll be Mark chapter 9. Uh, verses 1 through 10. But let's take a moment to pray before we hear God's word. Our gracious God, we thank you that you do speak life into us and that you speak through your word, not only into our minds, but into our hearts, and that you challenge us and that you change us. And so we we come to you again and ask that you would do a work in us, that you would open us to your word and your word to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. So hear the word of God from Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Jesus is speaking here, he is gathered a crowd along with his disciples. Verse 1, And Jesus said to them, 
Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And this is the word of God. Well, here we have a a fascinating scene. A scene that that really is difficult for us to even imagine. A story that many of us are familiar with. The Transfiguration. Often referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration. So we're going to briefly look at this scene. And we're going to look at it in two parts. First, vision. And then voice. Vision and voice, because that is what the disciples encountered. And so that is what we encounter this morning as well. So first, vision. Well, the the disciples have been with Jesus for nearly three years. They have seen a lot. They have seen powerful teaching and crowds gathering to hear Jesus. They have been witness to healing. Healing of those who are sick those who are lame, those who are demon-possessed. They have also witnessed miracles, even tasting them. Uh, Very recently, the feeding of the the 5,000 and then the 4,000. But here, Peter, James, and John get something that they were not expecting. They get a glimpse of Jesus' glory like never before, like one they could never imagine. Verses 2 and 3. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And after six days, Jesus took them. After six days, six days since what? Well, six days since verse 1. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. The kingdom of God with power. That is what these disciples saw. The kingdom of God with power displayed in a person. The person of Jesus, right before their very eyes. And I was, as I was reading through this text, it, 
it reminded me, this is the, the very place that we began in our last sermon series. In Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, when John records his vision of the, the Son of Man, the beauty, the majesty of Jesus displayed before him. And if you remember then, we, we talked about it a bit like Superman. You get used to Clark Kent, and then there's that moment where he pulls back his shirt, and you see the S. And for a moment, you get a glimpse that there is more than meets the eye, and that is just a taste of what happens to the disciples here. The veil is pulled back, and they get a glimpse. Well, they saw in the words of one commentator, they saw the power of God's kingdom, indeed its glory, in an altogether new way. It was as though they caught a glimpse of all that Jesus would be when his kingdom finally came in fullness. He was transfigured. His glory was seen. His power and kingly majesty were momentarily visible. It was a foretaste of that day when his kingdom would come with power in his resurrection. It was a foretaste, too, of the day of his final glory. The very glory that we ended with last week. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. So the disciples have seen a vision, a vision of the glory of God. But there's also a voice. And so we turn to our second point, a voice. Now our passage begins with us hearing Jesus' voice. Jesus speaking a powerful, intriguing uh, promise. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Well, some standing here. Some standing here, that some would be Peter, James, and John. Taken by Jesus to the top of a mountain where he is transfigured. Again, the curtain pulled back, a glimpse of God's glory like never before. But it strikes me. What's the first voice that we hear after this stunning revelation of beauty and power? The first voice we hear is Peter. Peter, the stumbling words of a frightened disciple. One who should be in such awe that he might listen, rather he speaks. Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. He did not know what to say. Probably he should have said nothing. But aren't we the same way? Aren't we so often so quick to speak and so slow to listen? If your prayer life is anything like mine, often you'll catch yourself just speaking. No time to listen. And maybe like Peter, it's out of a place of being terrified. Maybe you are speaking continually out of place of anxiety or guilt or shame. I have no idea what Peter was experiencing. I only know there are those places where I am just speaking, 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 speaking. In essence, beginning to tell God what I could do or what he needs to do. And then I say amen and move along just as anxious as I was before. But then the gracious corrective. 
verses 7 and 8. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Jesus only. Listen to him. An echo of Mark chapter 1. The baptism of Jesus. A voice speaking, affirming, This is my beloved Son, and whom I take great delight. Listen to him. Maybe you've had those moments where you think, I would give anything to have been there. If I could have just been on that mountain, I wouldn't struggle with doubt. I would be able to believe. If I could just hear that voice, hear it audibly aloud, affirming that this is Jesus, that I could see him, that I could hear his voice, if only, then I would not struggle. Well, Peter was there. You probably know enough about Peter that he did go on to struggle, but that he went on to continue to be transformed by the gospel, by the good news. That Peter became the great spokesman, the first great sermon where 3,000 came to faith. And Peter would also write of his time with Jesus. And Peter says that we actually have something even better even better than having been there with him and James and John. He says that we have Scripture. The written Word pointing us to the living Word. Now, if you'll turn with me for just a moment, Second uh, Peter chapter 1. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's found on page 1018. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Peter writing here, and he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father... The voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure. The prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We see the glory of Jesus now as we enter into His Word as we listen to His voice in Scripture, as we see with the eyes of faith. And Peter says, this is even better. 
And I guarantee it by the Holy Spirit written on your heart, who also spoke these words, that you might have them and be transformed. Seeing with the eyes of faith that our hearts are changed, our minds renewed, our lives transformed. But are you looking? Are you listening? Or rather, to whom are you looking? To whom are you listening? Think of the many ways that that we struggle to hear because we are listening to so many other voices. Maybe they're voices of doubt, discouragement, of condemnation. Maybe they are voices telling you, you will never be good enough, so try harder. Maybe it's the voice that says, I know God loves me, but really what that means is he tolerates me. He puts up with me. How? Of course he's got to tolerate me. Jesus died for me. Now he tolerates me. No. If we listen to the voice of the Son of God, those who hear will live. We will hear the truth. The truth that our identity is wrapped up in that of Jesus' identity. Bound to him, union with him, that you are my beloved, in whom I take great delight. Just as the psalmist says, he rescued you because he delights in you. That God would give us all of himself in Jesus, that we might know his love and delight. And yet we are distracted. And so we turn again to the voice of the Son of God. And with Peter, we would say, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In a week or two, we're going to come to one of my favorite characters in Mark. Because he's the one who cries out so honestly, so authentically, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help me to hear you. Help me to look to you. Help me to see you and to believe. Vision and voice. We get to see. We get to hear as we open God's word. And as his spirit does a work in our hearts. And so this new year, as we do look ahead, as we begin in the gospel of Mark, picking up in chapter 9, let's Open God's word prayerfully, expectantly, together. That we might see Jesus in his glory. That we might hear his voice. And that in seeing and hearing, that we might believe. Please pray with me.